Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington, D.C. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yasson, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big Leap Performance and Rehab. At Big Leap Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to BigLeapPerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. All right. Welcome back to Move the District, episode 26. We have officially crossed the quarter century mark, marching on our way to uh, lucky number 50. I think 50 is a lucky number. I don't really know, but it sounds right. Uh, On the show today, we got a uh, very special guest. He is a Washington, D.C. native, and he is the founder of District Triathlon, and Grit USA, which are nonprofit organizations designed to encourage, inspire, and increase the participation of people of color in endurance sports, promote healthier lifestyles, and uplift communities right here in the DMV. Please welcome my fellow Lululemon ambassador, Marcus Fitz. Marcus, thanks for coming on the show, man. Awesome, Mike, and really, really appreciate the opportunity to speak, and I'm just excited for the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I should say you're uh, officially big time now that you were recently on the cover of the USA Triathlon magazine. What was uh, what was that about? Well, not what was that about? What was that like? <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That was that was me. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because it's just been like a, a really incredible journey and to be recognized for you know something that you're passionate on, on such a high level. Um, it, it means a lot. It means that you know I'm doing something right. And but with that, there's always going to be kind of like the other side of the narrative and and ones that don't understand what you're doing. Um, And then people from the community that not just the community, but outside the community looking in that that don't understand the barriers, that don't understand the reasons for, you know, creating the nonprofit district triathlon that I did or or why representation matters. So like the education in those situations is it's frustrating, but it's also motivational. And I think like using all that and with the people who've come with me um, along this journey, I, I'm just inspired, you know, I'm, I'm motivated and it's, it's great. That's awesome. So now when did you first get into uh, triathlons? How'd that start? Oh man, that's a, that's an interesting, well, we'll take it back. Um, so my first, my first, time discovering what a triathlon was, was in 2015. Um, and I was preparing to have knee surgery, um, for the second time. And so I, I had, I had chosen an activity that I, um, could train for and, and build my body up, my strength, um, just to go into the surgery strong so that hopefully I could have a faster recovery coming out of it. And so that surgery was, a, it was called a typical a tibia tubical osteotomy. Um, with the MPFL replacement. So those are pretty, 
hardcore surgery going okay. into it. So I'm like, all right, if this is the last hoorah and I can never run again, at least let me let me go out with a bang. Um, so I picked the triathlon. It was a nation's triathlon um, in 2015. And typically um, the swim gets canceled historically. Yeah. <laughs> but this year it was perfect, like perfect weather. It was a full swim, full bike, full run. Um, and it had been like that for a couple of years. It now doesn't exist because the swim had been canceled too many times. Um, but that journey of, of molding myself into a triathlon came from originally playing football, um, going through my first knee surgery. And I found or not found swimming. I'd swam as a kid, um, but I, I, I rediscovered swimming on a competitive level, going through rehab through my first surgery. And uh, I went to college on a college and track scholarship uh, to Savannah College of Art and Design. And coming out of college, um, I picked everything kind of back up. And that's just what set me up um, to kind of compete on a, on a high level going into the start of my triathlon jersey journey. That's awesome. So you were, you were more of a, like a long distance runner in college? Was that, is that what you did? Oh, I was sprint. I was a complete sprint? opposite. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I don't think I ran anything over like three miles, like <laughs> the longest I'm talking about long run to me was right. three miles. Like I would die. Like, <laughs> And then all of a sudden now you're, you're going to train for, you know, Olympic, Olympic length, uh, triathlon, right? And right. so what are the distances again for an Olympic, uh, triathlon? So you have, um, for, for Olympic, triathlon you have about it it could, it could the swim can vary anywhere from like an 800 meter to like 1500 meters which is kind of like the the sweet spot for olympic mm -hmm. you have a 14 to 28 26 mile bike ride depending on the type of uh of course and triathlon and then a 10k run on the olympic side Gotcha. So, but the, the main distances are super sprint, sprint, Olympic, half, um, and then full distance, which is, you know, the, considered the Ironman distance, but it's like a brand. It's like Kleenex. That's a whole different thing. The Ironman. Yeah, yeah it is. It's like, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. My, uh, my aunt, she's, she's run several Ironman, uh, uh, races. I would say Ironman triathlons, Ironman, right? Uh, yeah. 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 See, and, and exactly. Yeah. You don't even know. Like, you hear triathlon and you're like, all right, you do Ironman. I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't do Ironman, but that is a type of triathlon. What's uh, the, what's the level you compete at or the distance you compete at? So I typically do um, either there's a race called super league, um, which is its own kind of mixed uh, kind of format style racing or the Olympic distance. Okay. Um, I dabble in the half, the 70.3 distance, but my main, my sweet spot's Olympic. So do you think you would ever run a full Ironman? So I signed up for my first one um, a couple months ago. So I signed up for Ironman Maryland. Okay. Um, it's happening next uh, September, 2021. Yeah. Okay. So you got, you got a little less than a year now. You got to about 10 months here. Yeah, so I'm getting a coach and I'm, I'm going to go through the training and the time and the energy. It's just a lot. And when so, I see people do it, it doesn't look fun. It doesn't look fun and enjoyable. No, no everything I, from, from having, you know, worked with, with uh, several Ironman athletes, it's a lifestyle. That's like the biggest thing is that like, it's, it's kind of a lifestyle. Like I've, I've worked with, you know, one, one guy I worked with, he, you know, has a family, he's got two kids. 
And he's like, yeah, I got to get up at like, you know, six o'clock in the morning on Saturday so I can get my training in so that I can like spend time with my family later in the day. And uh, it's like, it's, you know, and it's like you're, you're basing your meals around it, your sleep schedule and everything is planned out, you know, so you can get that because it's 140.3, 140, is that what it is? What is it? Or six, no, 140.6. Point six, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, it's like a whole like lifestyle versus, um, you know, I think probably some of the other, I mean, don't get me wrong. The other distances too are obviously challenging and, and, you know, force you to have a good lifestyle too. But I think the Ironman is just like a whole nother beast. Yeah. I mean, and it comes down like what, what I see it's, it's time obviously and building a foundation, but then a huge part of it is it's a, it's, it's a balance between like a beautiful marriage between nutrition and mental capacity. Cause at a certain point you, you, you break down and it's just the will to finish uh, and I think when you look at the difference between short course and long course racing is it's that muscle twitch. So long course has a very slow twitch, you know, depending on what level you're competing at. And then uh, short course distance has a much faster um, twitch. Right. Which is why I like it. It's fast. It's short. I can get on about my day. And like long course is just a completely different beast. Now, what, what are your thoughts on the fact that like, the Iron Man has become almost kind of like this like cultish kind of thing. Like there's like very like commercialized like versus like the rest of like the Iron Man world. Cause I feel like they're kind of separate than everything else. Yeah. They used to be very separate from like USA triathlon. So USA triathlon is like the governing body of the sport in, in the U S so under Iron Man falls under USA triathlon, but they've become bigger than USA triathlon. And so there's always been like this tension between the two organizations um, and they have their own coaching um, certification program. I'm certified coach under USA triathlon and like part of like the handbook and everything, when you deal with athletes, there's a, there's a piece in there that talks about like how to manage your athletes, like relationship at home and like their diet, because, you know, relationships can be dramatically affected by the amount of training yeah. realistic to accomplish like the athlete's goal. So it's, it's very interesting, like the psychology outside of just like the physical um, training and fitness. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I think I've seen, I mean, cause I've, you know, I've seen like, you know, it gets to, it's like a certain point where like, it just doesn't matter how much you train. Like, like if you don't have that mental fortitude to finish the race, like, you're not going to do it. You know, people just break down at a certain point. You know, I think like once you get past, like, I don't know, maybe it's like marathon, like level of like competition, like, like once you get past that, like, you know, you look at some of these guys who run like the, like the 50 milers and like those ultra, those other right. ultra races, like it's like the same idea where it's just like how much like punishment can you handle? <laughs> Absolutely. It, it is. It's, it's, it's suffering. It's like a full suffer fest. It's like, you know, it hurts but how long can you withstand the pain before you tap out? Because your mind taps out before your body does. Right. You know, if you've trained properly and you're adequately like, you know, hydrated and it's a, it's a mind versus body um, thing. Now, mentally, you know, going from being a collegiate sprinter to then competing in these endurance races, how did you handle that mentally? Um, you know, I think like having a break, in between collegiate sports and like 
whatever came after, whether it's just recreational running and marathons and all that, I think having a break and, and not burnout um, was was super important. Um, Cause I know there's some athletes that can go right into it and they continue, but they burn out later down the road. And it's just like, all right, I'm hanging up everything. Yeah. Um, for me, it was, it was kind of partly like relationship, getting over relationship, partly like I gained some weight. So I'm like, all right, found new motivation, getting back into like physical activities, but that competitive drive, like doesn't go away. Right. Like, right. I don't have yeah. to win, but I want to do well. Like I, I'm like, I, I'm not going to lose as long as I'm not last. Like I want to be in a certain percentage, you know, it's not about winning, but I do want to do the best that I can. Yeah. That was something I, I noticed. I, I played baseball my whole life and I played in college. And when I graduated, I was done. Like there was no like, Oh, let's, let's go play in a men's league or something like that. It was just like, I'm good. I'm done. Like, I did my thing and, and I had fun and I loved it. And baseball, I still love baseball and I'll sit on the couch and watch it all day. But when it comes to like getting up and going to play in a league, I'm like, mm, no, I'm not good. I think, I think part of that is like, after I graduated, I like discovered that you could spend like a Saturday afternoon at the beach instead of like <laughs> on a field in like 90 degree weather and like baseball pants. I think I, that was part of it. But um, like, I think uh, I was just, I was just like done with it. And, and like really like just competing, I was just done competing for a while. And I think now in the last like year or so, I'm finding myself like starting to get like competitive again, like, just like, you know, you're like in a workout class and you want to like run faster than the guy next to you, or you're at the bar and you want to chug your beer quicker than the person next to you. Like, you know, wh whatever it might be. Uh, I know this is two drastic examples, but you know, something along the lines of that is I feel like, you know, like it's starting to like bubble up again. And I'm like, all right, now I probably got to like start finding a, a place for this competition to uh, like a healthy release. What, what do you think caused that for you? Or like, was that that shift? I think a big part of it was I didn't have a great experience uh, in college. I think coming out of high school, I had had like a lot of success and I was excited to play in college. And I actually went through this period, uh, where I had what's called the yips. Do you know what the yips are? What are the yips? So basically from like 10 feet away, I couldn't throw a baseball. Huh? Like from 10 feet away, I would throw the ball 10 feet over your head. I completely forgot how to throw the baseball. It's a big, like mental, it's, it's all, it's all mental. And, you know, I don't know what caused it. Uh, I started my freshman year and basically I just forgot to throw a baseball. And then as a result, altered my mechanics, had some injuries, ended up getting surgery, just didn't have a great experience with like the coaching staff. And then by the time like senior year rolled around, uh, I had a chance to actually, cause I ended up redshirting my junior year. I had a chance to go back and play my fifth year, but I also had this job offer to go work in the Yankees organization as a strength coach. And I was like, you know, what, like, like what, uh, what do I want? I could go, you know, go right into PT school and, and, you know, play a fifth year of, of baseball and kind of struggle through it and deal with some shoulder issues. Or I could, you know, go work in professional baseball and like be one step closer to like what my actual dream is. And, uh, and that was, that was pretty much it. And at that point, I was just like, it's kind of like a no brainer for me. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really try hard to think about what, what that transition really was like, how do you switch um, to, to getting back like that, that mental state where it's like, all right, I want to be competitive. Like where's the, the newfound passion or 
or did it really die? Um, or maybe I just needed a break. Like, it's interesting. I still don't know what that transition was for me, but yeah, I, I think I, I see it. Like, like I'll get out like on the golf course, you know, and like, it kind of like putting yourself in that environment is definitely like probably the first step is like yeah. you put yourself in that environment. And then next thing you know, you're like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to fucking lose. You know, like, I, I think that's like part of it is like you get out there, whether it's like, you know, maybe it's like some pride, you know, where you're, you're like, how do I, like, I don't want to embarrass myself. And <laughs> that's the first thing is like, you don't want to embarrass yourself. And then it's like, well, all right, I'm not going to embarrass myself. Like, let's try to win this thing. And, or, you know, whatever, or like, let's, you know, try and do as good as we can. I don't know. Um, so I think that's probably part of it. I don't know. That's a yeah. good, uh, that's a good point. I mean, like, I, I still haven't, I think fully swung back. I, I think I was also, I was like uber competitive. Like yeah. I was the guy like on the mound who would like yell and like, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so like pump my fist. Yeah. Like, like all that kind of stuff. And, and then like, I think maybe I was so focused on the outcome. I was so focused on winning. How do I win? And now like, now, you know, here I am building, building a business, you know, kind of like in this, like the next phase of my life. And I'm like more focused on the process versus just like the outcome. And I think, ultimately it's more of a sustainable one than it is like just just balls to the wall like intensity competitiveness that's a really good point and i think for me the process became way more important too than the outcome that's like everybody focuses on the end and i think that process was a huge driver especially when i had really gotten into the sport and um after college coming back home, I had received the opportunity to coach um, for uh, a high school swim team here in uh, Hyattsville. And I was a coach there for six years. Um, In my first year, I was the the assistant coach. And then for the other five years, I was the varsity head coach. And like, I think the the reward of seeing growth and progression among the students, I think that was like that new brew of, of newfound passion and walking mm-hmm. them through the process ignited kind of like my own process. And it was my motivation to get like, oh, okay. Like I see the benefits of it. I see the benefit. I like how I look in the mirror. Like um, I see my, my energy level at work changing, like my work ethic changing and everything around, like my life improve. Like I was thinking different. I was reading more. I was more engaged. Um, so yeah, the process, eating habits and just everything. I think if we get down to that, that might be like it, the process. And I think like having the, like the chance to like externally focus on like someone else, whether it's like you said, like the, the team you're coaching or like, you know, patients I work with, like, I think that like puts like some perspective into it, like to like, you know, take a step back and see like all the different avenues at which you can like affect change versus just like being just deep in it the whole time. Right. And creating impact, like impact is, is huge. It's that that's just like legacies. Like if you look back on what was your, what was your level of impact and like, how do you want to be remembered? I think that's like more important to me now than, you know, coming up as a kid or in college, like I, I could care less. It's like, all right, you know, people will be people, yada, yada, yada. Um, but now it's important. When do you think that changed for you? Man, I would say, I would say like 
after after coming back home, um, so I, I lived in Dallas for two years. Okay. Um, after I graduated, and then seeing how the corporate world and then like my identity and being a black man in America, especially on a corporate level in the South, in Texas, and checking all the boxes. Yeah, like different levels of racism mm-hmm. as well, like some that were blatant and some that were kind of like, it was just, that's how they were raised. It was yep. just kind of part of their culture and it wasn't meant in a disrespectful way, but it was still racism, you know? And so different perspectives of racism, a different experience of it um, really had me thinking different, not just like in sports, but just how were other people impacted um, like on many different levels. And I would just sit back and, and, and observe. And I would say in like 2014, when I was, you know, got my, got my, came back and moved back and started integrating back into like DC community and, um, I think I really noticed it in Home Dendo and kind of like, wh- what was it that I wanted to do um, to do for myself, but also like help others? Um, yeah. On a corporate level, there was this event called Where Are All the Black People At? In, in graphic design and advertising. And I had never worked with another black person before. I guess. Really? Yeah, still. Like if, if I did, they were either a secretary or like a postal worker. I remember I had an experience where I had just started a job and I'm going up the elevator and I had a, I had packages that I sh- shipped to my job that I needed um, for my first day of work. So I have these boxes going up to my cubicle. It's like my first or second day in the office. And a woman hands me her packages and then gets off the <laughs> elevator. Like it was too quick for me to like react or respond. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there like... <laughs> Whoa, like, uh, I don't what, know what to do with my hands. Right. Don't know what to do with my hands. Don't know what to say. It's my first day. Like, I don't know what's happening. So I get off and then scoping out like the, the landscape, you know, I'm in khaki pants and like a button up. That's pretty generic. Oh. And I see all the, the employees pushing carts um, for the postal and service happen to be black. Ah. And there's this connection. I'm like, damn, man, this is it. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So like, just how, how, how do these conversations change and just how, how I can help um, other people coming up? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That. And then, so is that how, is that, that's basically the, the foundation for, cause you then went on to found district triathlon. Yep. Right. And that was when, what year was that? That was 2000. So as officially a nonprofit, um, fa- turn, f- I guess established as a nonprofit in 2017. Okay. I started the organization in 2015. And um, your first triathlon was 2014? 20, 2015. So I, I did them in tandem. I was like, I was training, I was uh, going into the surgery. And then other, I had a couple other friends that kind of, accompanied me along this journey and we had picked um another race that i would kind of train for after i would recover Mm -hmm. um that we could all do together so it kind of was like a foundational swim program but like help marcus train and recover (laughs) program as well so i don't have to do it alone the marcus support (laughs) 
<laughs> and then more people just kept coming on and jumping on. And, and by the time like we had our first real event, we had like 113 people coming to swim um, throughout the week. And it was just like a swim uh, education, like learning wow. how to swim and teach, teach adults how to swim, which stemmed from like my coaching um, the swim program at the high school. And so we were at uh, um, Tacoma Park Aquatic Center uh, a couple times a week uh, in the evenings doing uh, swim, swim lessons. And so were these people that wanted to run triathlons, people who just didn't know how to swim? They just didn't know how to swim and they were interested in triathlon and, you know, but the swim was a barrier, especially in uh, a lot of uh, urban communities. Um, the swim, if you can't swim, you can't really do a triathlon, no. but that's not always the case either, which I try to explain to people is you can do a relay, which is right. that's not really mentioned. It's like, so say you can't swim, find someone who can swim and you can either bike or run or do both. Do they have, are there bike, um, running like duathlon? Cause there's the duathlon, which is aqua bike, bike with swimming and biking, right? Yeah. And there's also, um, there's, there's a duathlon and then there's, um, a biathlon. There is an aqua bike and an aquathon. Right. So that's a swim and a run. And then you have the aqua bike, which is a swim and a bike. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've worked, I worked with someone who, who's done the, um, the aquathon, aquathon. She's done that before. Um, but so then, I mean, getting into the triathlon world, at what point are you like, all right, like this is a sport where I'm surrounded by white people? Yeah, it was day one. <laughs> <laughs> it was day one. It was, a, I went to the first race and, and this is in DC. Uh-huh. So I'm like, you know, I, I completely expected something different. Um, and I'm just like, there is no black. The only other black person I saw was uh, Adrian Fenty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was the only other person there and that I went up to him and he was like super approachable. Uh -huh. And um, that was, that was it. And I was like, wow, uh -huh. why, what is the reason? Right. Um, and it could be, I, I identified multiple reasons um, that, that we kind of set up as pillars for uh, the barriers that we kind of like want to jump over and, and um, knock down. What, so what, what would you say those pillars are? Um, I'd say like, I guess the eco whole ecosystem of the barriers that we're trying to overcome are uh, pool access, um, USA triathlon resources uh, for members and for, you know, minority or communities or HBCUs or high school programs um, relays. There's not enough, um, conversation about relays or connections that you don't have to do the full thing by yourself you can take small steps to get to that point and still compete and have fun and be included yeah i don't think i don't think people know that until unless they're like right. in the community because exactly. i know like my my aunt uh you know bringing her up again like she's she's like hey you should do a triathlon i'm like no like i'm all right and then she's like well you could just do like the run part you know or like oh like i didn't yeah, realize there's like there's like more like to it you know? Right. And that, that goes out the window because so many people are focused on like themselves, I, I, I versus like us, because it's not necessarily a team sport, but we're trying to kind of make it 
like one. And then there's um, just connections, you know, co- connecting people with uh, like-minded individuals, mm-hmm. like creating a social team or like a place where people can, that go through the similar experiences can, you know, have a safe space. And then gear and apparel, which kind of a lot of people don't think about either. In, in the triathlon space, a lot of gear and apparel is made for that has this very European cut. Um, so say if, you know, more curvy individuals or larger, it's not just race, but just larger um, athletes, you know, they need something that fits or say that you have dreadlocks or something, having a swim cap that fits mm-hmm. um, that with goggles that have extensions to go that wide. So these are the conversations that I have with brands. Oh, interesting. Um, Didn't even think about like, like swim caps, swim caps and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the little, the little things and the little details that make an experience um, better for someone. Yeah. I, uh, Recently bought some t-shirts for, uh, for big league and I uh, used American apparel, which is not an American company. Little, little yeah. known fact it's European. And, uh, we got the, the, the men's shirts came out fine. You know, I would say they're fine. The women's shirts though, I don't know what they came out. They came out like, like, I don't know, like a woman's XL was like equivalent of like an American woman's like small. I don't, I don't even know like what this, and I like, and we're like giving them out to patients and they're like, you expect me to like hold up like it's like a doll shirt. They're like, you expect right. me to wear this? And I'm like, ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it said small, so I ordered small. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think that the the idea though about like the like access to like swimming, like like where do you swim? Like there's just not a lot of pools in the you know in the city. Uh, I think that that poses like a, like a real like geographic challenge. Uh Well, I will say to that, like D.C. is very has an amazing set of resources, you know, that the rest of the United States um, doesn't have in some of the communities that are like really affected by by a lot lot of those barriers. I mean, for D.C. residents, all the pools are free. Public pools are great. Yeah. Yeah. Like and our pools are fantastic compared to like majority of the the U.S. and like the gyms are free uh, for the, the, the DCPR gyms um, right. free to DC residents. So we have a lot of resource and, and not a lot of people know about it. Um, so there could be better, um, I guess, promotion about that. But DC is very, very uh, privileged in that regard of access to resources. Um, yeah. Compared. Well, I think we think about DC as kind of like this bubble of like, where things are, like you said, like just a little bit more privileged than, you know, when you wander, you know, an, an hour up the road to Baltimore or, or you know, some other, you Absolutely. know, other cities where, you know, we don't have, we have, what we have here is like the, you know, like even just for example, like now with COVID testing, like, you know, I can drive, you know, five minutes, get a COVID test and be, you know, back at work in 20 minutes. And, you know, even like up in New York on Long Island where my parents are from, they're like, you can just go get a test for free. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it you know? takes, like no time. Like I, it took me five minutes to get a COVID test this morning. It's like, so <laughs> easy. I went yesterday on my lunch break. It took me 20 minutes. I drove five minutes from big league over to Anacostia, drove back and it was, you know, it was 20 minutes and, and you know, people go get tested. It could not be easier. Absolutely. Could not be easier. People who are listening, go get tested. <laughs> while it's, it's free. free and while you can. <laughs> it's free. Exactly. Yeah. It's free. And like before you start freezing your ass off too. Exactly. 
Um, so, so now are you guys primarily, you guys are obviously based here in DC. Um, have you started spreading outside of the district at all? You know, I think, I mean, my main focus right now is, is, uh, grit USA. And so really the difference between district triathlon and grit USA is, you know, grit district triathlon was meant to be kind of like an entry introductory level social group um, that could, you know, take someone couch to 5k to triathlon and everything in between. So, you know, just conversation, like, what do we need? Check all the boxes. How do I get ready for my first race? All right. I've done a couple races. I want to bring my friends. And now you've created this community um, that didn't exist before um, where, where people can, have similar experiences, um, you know, black people can connect um, and other minority um, groups can kind of connect where they may not have felt welcome um, in some of the other uh, teams and programs. I'm not saying that they're, they haven't been inclusive, but you know, when you're, when you're one of so many, sometimes you just feel like you wanna sit on the sidelines. Um, and so when the creation of Great USA is more so there's still a void. So you have entry entry level program training athletes. So what happens when you've you've done all these races and you know you you want to grow your your comp- competitive nature, your competition, and what's next? You know, you're a grown, you can't go to college, <laughs> you know? So what's, there's this, there's this gap and, you know, you're not there yet to be professional or an elite level. So Grit USA is that bridge. It's like, you know, connecting people from a wider range um, and really it's a tryout only program. So we keep it small, intimate. It's a 20 person cap last year, or I guess at the beginning of this season, it was a 15 person cap. Next year will be 20 and really connect with um, like kind of lobby for uh, us in the sport and really push representation. So we're still inclusive. We still do community service. We still do everything that you would find in like more of a social group, but it's an elevated experience. So you can take it back to your group and kind of have like a trickle down effect. So keep it intimate, tight, um, really provide for a core group. And then hopefully that 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 experience kind of transcends um, the group and they can take their their training to a higher level. Um, and what, uh, what what made you take that step into, into that in, in that direction? Well, I was looking for opportunities for myself originally. It's like I got to like I took my training very seriously and I started winning races and um, started qualifying for championship events, but I was doing it by myself. And it's like, you can only do so much with the people around you. Once you kind of, you outgrow something a little bit, um, it's like, how do I bring people with me or how do I find um, other people that are interested in doing the same thing? Cause something you run into, it's like, you know, what is your why? Like it all goes back to it. Like my why um, may be completely different. So if I can align with the same or similar whys, um, what can we accomplish? And so that was really the foundation of, of that is, is aligning the whys at right. even spread. Um, and that's what I really, that was the focus and that was kind of where we started. Um, 
so started with a solid group of 15 and you know we've we've gotten sponsorships that um through through covid and through this pandemic that i just you know i'm super thankful for and we can go into next year and in a new season and and really look like a team um and, and I think create the change and growth and the representation that we really want and are looking for. Now is the goal to ultimately expand beyond like the DC area? I think so. And that was one of the reasons why making it like grit USA is Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we're central to DC or the DMV right now, but um, does it look like chapters? Like, I don't know. Or is it just like a national team um, that we just send people to races you know, rationally, and there's no real hub. Um, I don't know what that looks like for the future, but I know I didn't want to lock it into like, we're solely in the district or we're solely one place. So kind of like went into it knowing that we want to keep a, like a a national or international kind of approach. Now, what's that process been like as you've begin to, you know, expand your presence and, and hopefully, you know, uh, you know, increase the diversity within the, the triathlon community. What's that uh, experience been like? Man, it's, um, it's been very interesting. I, I, it's very surprising how people look at just barriers, right? Um, and the ability for people to walk in other, other individual shoes and, and try to tell people what their journey is supposed to be like. I think it's been, it's been an enlightening experience, like even, you know, interacting with brands, um, interacting with other athletes, interacting with race directors that want to create an inclusive space. And luckily, like being in this area, we have a lot of people, a lot of race directors um, that are, that are leading like races that are really trying to be inclusive and diverse. And I think it's also putting, putting a foot down and demanding kind of like the change that you want to see. So like one of our sponsors this year is Trek, the cycling company, and they've kind of had a reputation for not being inclusive or diverse. And that was one of like the first things, you know, I addressed as they, they came out with a commitment for change, um, you know, towards uh, the beginning of the year. And, you know, I put, I interjected, uh, you know, kind of like my own thoughts of of what how how I could help them with their commitments or the team and and in the landscape and the issues that they're they're trying to solve and really making sure that these organizations and brands like honor their commitment. So I think it's been I think it's been an enlightening experience, but it's been. Um, it's, it's something that we have to keep hitting home and be consistent at, um, it's just, I don't know where to start. It's (laughs) so many moving pieces, like a game of chess. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a long way to go. Like there's, it's, it's, it's just going to take, take a while. What's, what's it been like this year? You know, I think obviously this, this year has been such a, you know, uh, massive year i think but is this something that you've been you know fighting your whole life um what's been the the reaction uh or reception that you've you've gotten this year yeah i think overall it's been very positive i mean 
you can see like from the cover like part of part of the th statement is like amplifying uh black voices um and just just voices period that aren't heard it's it's inclusive all the way around not just race but gender um you know disabilities um, physical disabilities um and really honing in that how important mental and physical health is yeah i think that's been like one of the biggest changes you've seen a bike boom at the beginning of the year and how we can use um different programs and different mediums uh to kind of motivate people uh not just for like physical health and well-being but for like social justice um racial justice um you know we did an event called run the polls um working with uh shikaro martin i'm not sure if you're familiar with him he, he's the health architect um no. he's a he's a personal trainer in dc okay and uh we we use kind of like running and fitness to 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 get people to vote so we had walkers runners and we met up at like metro stations or polling stations and and then led runs to either drop off their ballots or to go vote in person oh that's awesome like stuff like that like has been people are looking for ways to engage and yeah we were able to kind of facilitate those so i think it's nothing but like positive um things to say but with all that there's always and there's room for education too it's it's i've had some really good conversations that started off bad you know about i don't understand the barriers are very kind of uh racial racially uh um <laughs> uh hurtful uh comments especially when it came to the the magazine feature the the facebook announcement of that there was a, a very long uh facebook thread of uh, interesting commentary um so there's some things you address and there's some things that you leave alone so it was a growing experience for me and how how because you can only control your reaction right Right. There's, there are certain things that like, you know, and that's something I've you know learned as I get older. It's like, you can only control what you can control. That's it. Exactly. So it's you know? growth for me, like in, a, in yeah. another, you know, time I might've just like snapped and <laughs> like, but like being able to like, you know, get my thoughts out, maybe use it as an educational opportunity, give facts, give history, give historical context of why these barriers exist. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to turn something and, and re-spin it because if I if I come back like with with something derogatory or anything, it, it only makes the situation worse. Yeah. Um, and I mean like who's to let those people, you know, shit in your ice cream cone. You know what I mean? Like right. that was that was your day. Like you, you know, deserve to be, you know, on the cover like that. And uh, you know, if you know if they didn't enjoy it, well, tough shit. But it's also the reason, like it validates the reason why these programs are so important and that they exist. Yeah. It's, it's, it's because of that. There's just a lack of education on both parts. Like I've learned so much through this journey um, about myself, about like, like the history of certain things, why, like different laws. Um, there, there's, there's an opportunity to, to bridge so many gaps in yeah. like my own community um, where I see so much more opportunity now. Yeah. Have you found within the triathlon community pretty 
open to to these to these kind of ideas or or have you found it to be an uphill battle uh you know it's it's or is it kind of a mix a mix i think it's mixed i think it's a mixed bag and i think it depends on how you shake it and where you shake it yep um you know i think it's it's it varies geographically um we're here in this region like in the mid-east so maybe like New York and Tennessee and Maryland and DC and Virginia, you'll have a completely different experience. than if you go to like Texas or Colorado, or it's just a completely different um, kind of experience and, and expectation. And, and I completely get it, especially now, like traveling to races. Like, I mean, I, the doors are, are wide open and I've gone to like Chicago for races. I've gone to Cuba for races um That's amsterdam like copenhagen and for the most part everybody's engaged but and inviting and inclusive but there's still a level of not knowing why certain things um why there's a limit to access for certain groups of people um and why these barriers exist and that's still like a huge um, complication or battle that we're trying to 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 make uh, a lot of people aware of. Is it? I mean, is it kind of just like, oh, black people don't do triathlons, so that is right. what, it is. and that, that's just like the mindset. Oh, they don't they don't do triathlons. Yeah, or like they can't afford it, or it's like you know, there's people. Oh, well, just get a job, and then you can afford the sport, or like you know. Or I'll go to races and like I'll be spectating or cheering on my friends and they'll look at me and they're like, you know, you can do this too, you know, just if you need help or, you know, you just got to get through the swim. Like, I don't know how to swim. And I was like, well, I'm just here cheering. But thanks. <laughs> thanks for the <laughs> advice. I didn't ask for uh, any of that feedback, but I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a big thing, like getting and doing these events to get people in, you know, these different communities involved, I think is so important. I think that's been a reoccurring theme on this podcast is how, how do we access those communities and, and finding ways to, to engage with them, I think is, is a very interesting, it's been very interesting to hear the way people have, you know, gone about that. You know, I think, uh, I think, you know, Alex Montez and he's, he's talking right. about his, um, his, his different types of yoga classes that he, you know, introduces the Afro-Caribbean music into. And I thought that was, um, you know, really neat and things like, you know, run to the polls. I think, I think that's like an awesome idea just to, you know, get people to start to engage more and, and find ways to, um, you know, just get them involved. Yeah. And I want to say like on the, in addition to that, there's still issues within each of those communities about acceptance and awareness and what's cool, what's not cool, what's, at, you know, like what's gay, you know, all the derogatory statements that you can make and, right. you know, just insensitive comments. And I think there's, there's a lot of growth that needs to happen within that. Like black people can do more than just play football or basketball. Yeah. And that's kind of like if you're if you do anything outside of that, sometimes in, in the black community, it's like you're weird. You're a weirdo. You know, you're not cool. Why do you want to be white? You know, all these different things that happen within our community. And that was really hard for me growing up as a kid because I played football, I played basketball. 
and I, I knew I was good at swimming and I knew I was good at these other things, but it wasn't cool at like to put on a speedo or something. And I was like, Oh no, I can't do that because that's considered gay. Right. Uncool or unhip or whatever was yeah. that I had thoughts that I had as a kid at, at the time. Yeah. And, I, I remember when I was in high school, the same, the same thought, like, it was like, Oh, like, Oh, the swimmers are all gay, you know? And it's like, yeah. It's like no, they just that's what that's what they wear, right? And and it's and it's immaturity and oh, big time, you know. But it's like, but there was nobody there to support, you know, my desire and my passion to do anything outside of that, you know. So I think when you don't see anybody that that does that, you know, there's no validation, there's no backup. It's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm. Just, the only person that does it and you hide in your corner and you suppress what all the things that you actually want to do. And I think now for the first time, there are these, I mean, there's only one black professional athlete in triathlon. Yeah. You know? and, and that's crazy. And there's, there's um, an upcoming or uh, potential black woman triath uh, professional triathlete um, that's fighting for her pro card. Um, but the fact that that's it's 2020 and we're still trying to chase that goal tells you something. Um, so there's just a lot to be done. And I really part of the whole thing is trying to make the sport cool. Um, right, right. Not just competitive, but but cool. And we're trying to add that that flair and that flavor uh, to the mix. And we're just trying to see where it goes and have fun. Now, as a native D.C., DC or DC? <laughs> I always struggle with this. Washingtonian. Washingtonian. Is that is that what is that what people say though? I don't know. I don't really think that's uh, what people say. You know, like resident or something. Um, <laughs> um, how, how has it been now to like come in and and start to create a movement? Really, you know, like 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 because I think you know you've you've uh, you obviously grew up here. You you knew what it was like 20, 30, 30 years ago. Um, and, and now you're, you're creating a, a movement of, of change, you know, what, what goes into that? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't find it complicated. It's, it's really like, I do what I, what I want to do and, and what I think, like what I enjoy doing, you know, and I, I, tr I don't sell people on anything. Like I'm doing this thing. I would love for you to come out um we're gonna this is a beneficial thing like and it will be fun like how can we make an experience out of something that seemed like a task or a chore before and i think those have been the most organic things and not even like promoting it like there's certain things that you just kind of like promote but when it happens internally and kind of expands outward so it's like all right high visuals something like being a designer also helps you know, I can kind of, you know, I was thinking that on the fly. I was like you get to like make these nice graphics that look <laughs> like cool and sexy. And then I'm like over here, like just like throwing things together on like clip art still. I'm like, man, he's got some great graphics. Yeah. Branding. I mean, branding's huge. Um, it can kind of like make or break something um, sometimes or just kind of be a limit. But if something's organic, like it, it, who could care less what it looks like? Right. Um, at a certain point, it just adds a little bit of aesthetic value um, to it. But I think when people can, when it's organic, it's an experience, people grow, 
um it's just easy like when it's forced it just doesn't work so i think that's step one is creating an environment where people have a voice and have an opinion and giving people the ability to kind of like lead like i let members kind of lead a session or lead a workout um i know when we were doing the swim lessons like i told you before when the team was just getting started i had invited the high school athletes that i was coaching to coach the adults Mm -hmm. and that's like empowering on two different ways right so you're giving the kids firsthand experience and leadership positions and like yeah like i had the opportunity like the coach and they can go back and tell their friends and they were actively around their parents they can add something to the resume um leadership experience you know service hours um, and then the adults, especially if they actually improve their their stroke um, or technique and they're, you know, there's a mentorship capacity there that the adults can share experiences and the kids can um, share theirs as well. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's awesome. I think, to be honest, I think we can keep talking about this for like the next <laughs> hours, uh, probably more. Uh, so we know we'll definitely have to do that again. But I want to ask you a few just wrap up uh, questions here uh, okay. before I let you go. What um, now? You've obviously you've, you you're a, a native Washingtonian. That's we're gonna we're gonna go with Washingtonian here. What's one thing people here in D.C. need to experience? Be it be it a, a, a restaurant, be it a, a festival, be it a whatever. Mm-hmm. One oh, thing man. people need to experience here in DC. All right. Sunday drum circle at Malcolm X Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. Definitely. I've, I've been to the one up in Meridian Hill. Yes. Same, same thing. Oh, I don't Malcolm, call it Meridian that... Hill Park. I call it Malcolm X Park. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I've been up okay. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's uh that's definitely an experience. I went up there, I think it was like we were at friends like birthday picnic earlier this summer. And and there's just like 30 people just out drumming. And I was like, what's going yeah. on? And they're like, Oh, this is, this is every weekend. It's where so many aspects of DC uh, collide and yeah. you, you get a bit of everything. And I think that's uh, one of the best experiences. If you haven't experienced it, like that's definitely like high on the list. Now, do you participate in the drum circle? I do. I have my own drum. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll sit and participate or I'll just sit back and listen. I'm not very good, but you know, <laughs> was that a proactive or reactive measure? Um, I brought it just in case. Okay. So you had it before you went to the drum circle. It wasn't yeah. like you went to the drum circle. Then you're like, Oh, I need to go get one. No, I had one already. And, okay. um, I have a couple other, uh, friends who are into, um, uh, kind of drumming okay. and uh, African dance. Cool. All right. Uh, what's the last book you read? Oh, man, it's there on the tip of my tongue. It's uh, I'm still here. It's uh, being black or, or navigating a world of whiteness or something like that. Damn, it's called I'm Still Here. The, uh, the book is amazing. It, it was I just finished reading it like a week ago. OK, if you ask me another question. I'm going to find the book. Uh, <laughs> what's the last uh what's the last show you watched on tv or are you one of those non-tv gypsies i don't watch much tv um that's one <laughs> thing i don't do i really don't have the time but i did uh binge watch lovecraft country okay 
And Reco- do you recommend? I highly recommend it. All right. Highly. It's weird. Uh, it's uh, it just gives so many different perspectives. Um, it gives a nice twist on his actual like historical events um, that you think are just like part, like fun parts of the story, but they're like you know there's there's some context and some depth to it. So I think the uh, Jordan Peele and the whole team did a great job. All right. Uh, what's the best thing that's happened to you in the last week? Ooh, the best thing. Um, well, here, insert little plug for the team grit. Uh, we, uh, were chosen to be on the cover of triathlete magazine. Ooh. All right. Uh, this week. So we'll be, we'll be shooting, uh, in Navy yard this Saturday and triathlete magazine is one of the biggest, uh, triathlon magazines in the world. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, you know, kudos to the team for, for really, um, having a killer year. All right. There you go. Boom. All right. You got that. Do you have that? Uh, do you have that book title for me? Do I have that book title? I don't think so, but we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it, we'll put it, I'll text it to you. You can add it in there. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) All right, Marcus, thanks for coming on the show, man. And, uh, we'll definitely be talking soon. All right, Mike, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.